Hi, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's awesome to see you. Thank you for spending time with me today, with all of us coming to here, coming here to be together in faith community. It's um, I love coming to church. It's uh, it's such a blessing, and especially now at the holiday time. Pam, that was wonderful. I really enjoyed that teaching about your Jewish faith tradition, and uh, I learned some things from that. It was really delightful. Actually, I feel like I'm pretty schooled up. You guys just want to call it a day. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for that. So Pam shared a little bit about her faith tradition, and I'll begin that way as well. My faith tradition is that I was raised Catholic, very Catholic indeed. My mother was uh, the bishop's secretary until she retired. So yeah, you can imagine how Catholic I was. And, um, and, and it, was, it was wonderful. I had a wonderful experience of Catholic youth, and I'm very grateful for that, especially this time of year. And um, any people here from the Catholic tradition? Yeah, so you guys will play along. I love this part of, uh, of, of, the, uh, of the Catholic Mass. Peace be with you. There we go. We're off to a good start. Yeah. Peace be with you and also with you is, is one of the parts of the service. And then you go around and spread your COVID germs to everybody by giving a handshake or a hug. Anyway, we'll skip over that part. So, um, you know, I was, it's, it's just, I have to tell you, it was delightful for me to spend the last couple of weeks preparing a talk about peace. Uh, it's, you know, we're living in some interesting times, aren't we? And uh, so to, to spend a couple of weeks really diving in deeply to the topic of peace, thinking about inner peace, thinking about my peace, being at peace was really, it, I should be paying you guys, it was really very healing uh, and, and very helpful for me to spend these last couple of weeks preparing for this talk. And as I was working on the talk, I recognized that that there's actually two different kinds of peace. And the reading from the Daily Word today actually addressed that. So I, I kind of loosely categorized them as psychological peace, the psychological experience of peace, which is you know, a sense of relaxation and comfort, uh, um, getting away from it all, uh, self-care, taking care of yourself, feeling a sense of, of repose from all of the demands that life puts on us. It tends to be more transient uh, and circumstantial. You know, you get away for a weekend, maybe go to the beach or, or, or get, get away, go to the forest, and you feel a sense of peace, but as you're driving back into the city, you can feel your state begin to change. That's what I call psychological peace. And there's another level of peace that I call spiritual peace or the consciousness of peace. And that is more enduring. It's less a product of what's around you. It's not circumstantial or external. It literally is a sense of who you are and a, a way of being that you bring to your life and bring to your circumstances. And that's what I think is important for us as practitioners of new thought, people committed to the new thought tradition to be focused on. And the really cool part is if, if and as you develop your consciousness of peace, the psychological peace just comes right along with it. You can't have one without the other that will, it will come. Dr. David Hawkins, um, who was a spiritual, the late Dr. David Hawkins, a spiritual teacher and consciousness researcher out of Sedona, Arizona. He, uh, he, he was a consciousness researcher and developed a model of consciousness from uh, a numeric model from zero to a thousand with different states of being throughout 17 different states of being or levels of consciousness. Developed that model to help us understand our spiritual growth. And he showed that the, the consciousness of peace 
is one of the highest ways to live in your spiritual and human existence. In fact, he showed that the consciousness of peace is a higher level of being than even the consciousness of love or the consciousness of joy. That the consciousness of peace includes and subsumes those other levels of love and peace. It's a very high level of consciousness and high level of being. But things take us off our center, don't they? We have outer experiences that impact us in such a way that we lose that sense of being peace. You know, being stuck in traffic isn't a hassle or a problem. It's the perfect expression of traffic at that point in that time where you happen to be. <laughs> I appreciate the laughter. You know, uh, it's possible, right? The consciousness of peace is seeing things as they are in their innate perfection. Not the way we think they should be, but seeing things in their own innate perfection right here, right now. So the unkind comment from a friend or family member isn't cause for drama and upset. It is seeing their current and evolving relational capacity <laughs> in this now moment. You know, a book half written or half conceived isn't, you know, a mess, a masterpiece waiting to happen. It is a book perfectly half written and half conceived in its beginning form. It is a book in its beginning form. It is its beginning of creation. So in the consciousness of peace, what we have the opportunity to do is develop ourselves to the, de to the degree in consciousness, to the experience of consciousness, that we're able to just see our current experience the way it is right here, right now. This talk isn't a talk half done. It's a talk really well done up till this point. <laughs> if I stop right now, you'll be like, damn, what's the rest? <laughs> no, it's just like it's perfect right here, right now, the way it is. I was going from, I'm from Massachusetts, and I was flying from uh, Boston to Tampa in February about four or five years ago. And, you know, that is always a little precarious flying anywhere out of the Northeast in, in February with weather conditions. And I got to the airport, and everything was going along just swimmingly fine. And we were just, it was about time to begin to board, and I looked out the big windows, you know, at the terminal, and yes, I saw the snow starting to kind of come down and, and mixed in with rain, and sure enough, uh, not too long, there was the announcement of we have to wait for the wings to de-ice uh, de the, the wings, which I'm like, yes, de-ice <laughs> de those bad boys. <laughs> I'm good with that. And we sat there, and they said, you know, it'll take about a half hour, and we should be boarding, and of course, over that half hour, now the snow is going sideways and mixed with sleet, and you know, the, you know, the announcements come, and we're going to be delayed, and we hope things will move along, and then another hour, and then another hour, and then another hour. It was about four and a half hours of waiting, and then, of course, who wants to get on the plane at that point, because you know the conditions aren't great, but we fly, and of course, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't have a direct flight. I went from Boston to LaGuardia. Thank you. We get to LaGuardia. <laughs> That storm seems to be tracking us just perfectly. <laughs> you know, we land, pretty bumpy landing. My stomach is all churned. We get to LaGuardia, and you know, I'm exhausted. And now I'm like six, seven hours into this trip. I'm still not anywhere near Tampa. I get to my gate, and, and sure enough, I'm looking across, and I'm you know exhausted, and this, the weather is still bad, and the announcements are still happening. And there's this woman sitting across me who was an older woman, and she happened to be a nun, and she was on my flight in, from Boston as well. And I thought, well, that's, that's unusual. And I was looking at her, and I'm noticing this thing about her. She's just completely placid. It's like chill. 
You know, people are on their phones or, you know, kind of stressed out and the announcements start, you know, the flight's going to be delayed, the weather conditions are, we hope to get you out tonight, you know, all of that. And I'm watching her, you know, oh, the announcements come and everybody's, you, you hear the collective, oh, you know, and people get on their phones and, and telling, so that, you know, you, you can feel the stress, it's palpable. And, you know, Sister Mary, whatever, is just sitting there. Just completely chill. Well, I couldn't stand it any longer, right? Spiritual teacher that I am. And so I like get up and I like go over and sit down next to her. And I was like, gosh, you know, this, this, is, this is quite a, an experience. Huh? And she just smiles and yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I can't help but, but ask you, you know, everybody looks so frary and I'm exhausted. And, you know, she's 20 years older at least than I am. And, and she's just, you know, completely fine, doesn't look tired. I said, what, you know, you look completely happy or fine or content. Like, what, what is... And she, she said something to me that I can still hear it in my ears and remember it like it was yesterday. She just smiled very sweetly at me and said, why would I fret over this? I've learned that wherever I am is the right and perfect place. That where, wherever I am is where I am. And that is the perfect place for me to be. There's nowhere I need to be other than just where I am. And I've learned to be happy no matter what is happening in me or around me. And I thought, there's some wisdom in that. And the reading today from um, the Daily Word also brought, uh, called from uh, Philippians chapter 4. And I, I've, I've actually, as I was preparing today, I found Philippians chapter 4 to be an excellent treatise in how to live a spiritually evolved, peaceful life. How do you? How do you stay in that center of peace? How do you be that being of peace regardless of what is happening around you? It's an extraordinary way to live. And it's possible for us. And in fact, I would, I would go so far as to say it's not only possible, it is our spiritual duty to commit our lives to creating ourselves as people constituted in the consciousness of peace. So in Philippians uh, chapter 4, we'll start with verse 5 through 7. Uh, it's written by the Apostle Paul. And he says in verse 5, <laughs> let's just start right here. Don't be anxious about a thing. Mic drop, right? Just mic drop. I think there was an editorial error in the Bible that that was actually supposed to be one of the Ten Commandments, and it just didn't get in there, right? <laughs> Don't be anxious about a thing. How many of you can say you live that way? But there it is, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Don't be anxious about a thing. And it's like, well, how? Well, stay with you, because it, it actually goes on to tell you. Don't be anxious about a thing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And I love this. Because I, this is exactly what Charles Fillmore has taught in the unity movement, that what is ours to do is give thanks in advance. Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of the unity movement, I assume you all know that, don't mean to make that assumption. Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of the unity movement, teaches a form of prayer called affirmative prayer. And in affirmative prayer, that is exactly what you do. You don't uh, just supplicate and say, please, I hope, will this come to pass? but you give thanks in advance for the fulfillment of your needs. So 
what Paul is teaching in this chapter, Philippians 4, is, I think are three really important things. First of all, not to be anxious. Secondly, to use affirmative prayer. And thirdly, to practice being content. We'll get to that third one. So the first one, verse 5, don't be anxious about a thing. But instead, through prayer and supplication, prayer, having a dialogue with God, if you don't have an active prayer life, you will not be actively engaged in the growth of your consciousness, the growth of your spiritual relationship, the growth of your, even I believe, your psychological growth. I, I think psychological growth that isn't, isn't rooted in spiritual growth is transient and passing. So do not be anxious about a thing. In all things, through prayer and supplication, supplication meaning asking for making your needs known to God, with thanksgiving, make your requests known before God. And then this last part, and the peace of God will guard, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. So how do you guard your heart and mind? Through prayer, through faith, through affirmative prayer, and by not worrying about a thing. It's an extraordinary treatise on how we live this way. I want to say a little bit about the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? And I, I've thought a lot about that. And I do, I do feel like I've had experiences of the peace of God that passes all understanding. My grandmother, Woodside, um, who's raised, she's from upstate New York. She was an extraordinary woman. Her name was Grace. And she went through some experiences in life that I believe are beyond kind of human understanding. My grandmother uh, had the experience of losing her husband and her oldest son and her youngest son in three separate car accidents, all within nine months of each other. So she lost her husband, my grandfather, my father, and his brother in three separate car accidents in nine months' time. And you can imagine, it was a small town, you know, even 20, 30 years later, people would meet me and hear my last name was Woodside, and they'd be like, oh, oh, that Woodside family? I was like, yeah, yeah, that was, my father was Jack, and like, oh, I'm sorry. It was like, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> but like, that was kind of my family legacy. And my grandmother, of course, was central to that. And you can imagine what one would experience, the grief, the uh, just kind of a sense of giving up, and how can I go on, and, and you know, my life. And, I remember it didn't, it didn't really um, leave, uh, I didn't quite understand it at the time, but as I've grown in my spiritual maturity and psychological maturity, I've come to really appreciate when people would come to grandma and say things, you know, offer condolences or whatever, and she would always say, you know, we all go through hard times. And I'm so blessed. I still have Tommy, my uncle Tom, her one son that didn't die. I still have Tommy and I have these beautiful grandkids. Aren't I blessed? the peace of God that passes all understanding. I think that's the kind of experience that we're called upon when we're in the face of those difficult times or even <laughs> the not so difficult times, the everyday times. It's extraordinary. So what stands in the way of us living this way? What stands in the way? Well, let me ask you, what stands in the way? of living, do not worry about a thing, in all things with thanksgiving. What stands in the way of living that way? Yeah, exactly, right here. There's one thing. 
It is not your spouse. It is not the economy. It is not the coronavirus. It is not the current politics. It is not any of those things. What stands in the way of your peace of mind is one thing. It's how you think, how you are using your mind. How you are using your mind determines the experience that you have, and it determines the consciousness that you live in. Your thoughts, your emotions, your beliefs. I have a whole workshop series that I teach called Use Your Mind to Train Your Brain. Your mind, not the yamma, yamma, yamma mind. <laughs> not that one. But your higher mind, your connection with God, your spiritual consciousness. Use your mind to literally train and rewire your brain. It's possible through the magic of neuroplasticity. Don't get me started. I could talk all day and we'll be here until tonight. Okay, sorry. Bring yourself back. Come back to the talk. You with me, though? This is how you do it. You know, you, you, we have a choice all the time. But, but it's, you know, what you need to understand is that the way that you think is automatic. There's an automaticity, stimulus response. There's a stimulus response mechanism that's called the ego. Something happens, you have your automatic response to it, and blah, 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 it comes out of your mouth. You, need, you can learn to interrupt that. And I love that in Philippians chapter 4, Paul actually tells us how. Verses 8 and 9, the scripture says, If anything is right, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is praiseworthy or excellent, think on these things. That's the treatise on how to use your mind. But how do we use our mind? Man, 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 she said that, and she did this, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and this is going to happen. And... Stop. Learn to use your mind, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is beautiful, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Think on these things. That's what's ours to do. That's how you learn to use your mind in a different way. How do you do that? You do that by really <laughs> training yourself, paying attention to what's working in your life. I know it seems kind of uh, trite and passe, but keeping a gratitude journal, is, there's so much science behind that now and how it rewires your neurology. It trains your mind to notice what's, what's working rather than what's missing. It's a beautiful experience of how to be uh, attending to. So just take a moment now and really think, what are all the blessings in your life? I know you came here with maybe some concerns on your heart this morning. Maybe you have family members who are ill or you're worried about the new coronavirus variant or you're worried about what's happening in DC. There's some march there yesterday that looked kind of ominous. I mean, goodness knows there's lots going on in the world, but every day. I have the blessing of health. I have the blessing of a car that I drove here from Massachusetts. I have the blessing of a warm home and clothes and food and friends and the unity community and the unity teachings. I have lots of warm socks and winter coats. Right? We have an abundance of beautiful and good things. And it really is through our cultural narrative that we have forgotten that what is ours to do is to think on those things, to think on those things that are right and beautiful and admirable and praiseworthy.
were you? What'd they say? She said, we were talking about that in the car. <laughs> yeah, I could hear that, yeah, I know. It's funny, my spouse is deaf, but I'm not. That's really funny. She really is. I'm fluent in sign language. Um, I lived on campus at Gallaudet for three years. So what were you saying in the car? Like, you need to be focused on what's working, not what's broken. Uh, what you're talking about in terms of reactions. Yeah, reactions. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We have been trained to think a certain way. You've got to recognize, I call it your default context. You have a default context that is kind of spoon-fed to you by your culture. And if you don't recognize that's what's happening out there, that's why cultivating a deep inner world, you will, we will not know world peace without knowing individual peace. Our job one is to know ourselves deeply as peaceful human beings. Uh, is a, <clears throat> a spiritual teacher, how long do I have, by the way? It's a quarter of. Am I good? Am I good? All right, I'm just going to tell you one more, and then I'm going to... I have a couple more verses, and then I'll say something, and we'll conclude. How's that? But there's this, a spiritual teacher that, <clears throat> that I, I just I, I can't say enough about her and the, the degree to which she has changed my life and uh, posthumously changed my life. Um, she's being hailed as a modern-day mystic. Her name is Eddie, E-T-T-Y, short for Esther. Eddie Hillisom. <clears throat> Eddie Hillisom was a, uh, a Dutch socialite and, and intellectual living in Amsterdam in 1941 during the rise of Nazi Germany. And, uh, and, as, and during that time, she was, she was a socialite and an intellectual. Her brother was a concert pianist. One of her, doctor, one of her parents was a doctor. Um, very highly educated, a prolific writer. And um, her diaries, so uh, the book, it's a few books about her, but her diaries called An Interrupted Life, the diaries of Eddie Hillisom, were, pub were published posthumously after she, uh, after she died in the concentration camps. She, um, her process, as she began writing in 1941, as she could begin seeing what was going to happen in Amsterdam and what was happening in Poland, what was happening in Germany, is that the Jewish people were going to be exterminated. She said they, they will stop at nothing until the complete annihilation of the Jews, and that's what's before us. There's nothing we can do about it, really, except to except we cannot cause our own suffering by trying to resist what they're going to do. So her journal, her, her diary, is her coming of age spiritually from her own kind of, <laughs> in the early part of her diary, she writes a lot about her neuroses, about her negativity, about her fears, about her wanting to possess anything that she loved. She wrote a lot about her kind of neurotic inner world that we all have some experience of, and then kind of uh, trails and, 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 and tracks her transcendence. And a couple of the more powerful quotes uh, is, is because of her, she was a typist in the Jewish Council. And the Jewish Council was the intermediary agency between the Nazis and the Jews. So she, because of her role in the Jewish Council, actually had the opportunity to move to a transit camp called Westerbork and then move back into Amsterdam. So she saw what was happening in the concentration camps, and then she would come back into the city. And she would actually ask to go back into the concentration camps. She was described there as a luminous personality, a luminous person who was bringing comfort to everyone around her. 
And as she would go into the camps, she said she would often look, try to look into the eyes of her captors and try to see their soul. And she wrote in her diary, and I will not bring hatred. I, I, I sometimes fall into the thought of this awful scum that they are, but I will not bring hatred because any ounce, any atom, any atom of hatred that I bring into this world only makes the world a more inhospitable place. It was very, very powerful. And then later, as she was uh, recognizing that she was soon going to go from the Westerbork camp to uh, Auschwitz, and she knew that she would be met with her demise there, she wrote <clears throat> of her experience. She said, the um, uh, life and death, pain and suffering, joy and sorrow, it is all one to me. The blisters on my feet, the flowers out back, the jasmine in my yard, it has all become one. It is all one experience of life itself. For Eddie, life became her sanctuary. Life was her temple. The, the most tragic, uh, horrible atrocities that she was witnessing and in the face of, and rather than falling to the demise of that, lifting herself up, saying that she knew that God lived within her in this vast expanse that sometime got covered over with brumble and sticks and dirt, but I would have to deep in to excavate, excavate God to live as me. Because I know there are times that I have to help God out. That's the level of commitment that I believe is called upon us today. We are living in extraordinary times. We are living in times of incredible change, economic change. Anybody buy NFTs yet? Anybody know what an NFT is? Yeah, right? Uh, but in, yeah, you think things are changing so fast. Cryptocurrency, the economic changes, the political changes, the rise of autocracy. I, I'll give a workshop on that later. <laughs> Non-fungible token, it's a new thing in the economy. But the, the, the change in our world is happening and it's happening so fast. We really need to spend time over this holiday season thinking about what is going to be, what is my response right here, right now, to the changes that are happening in our world? And how will I live my spiritual relationship with God in such a way that I know peace? We will not experience peace in the world until we experience peace within. It's interesting that Eddie wrote much of her diaries while she was in Vesterbork, and Paul's writing in Philippians was also written while he was in prison. See, your outer condition is not the determinant of your consciousness. Your relationship with God, your commitment to living a spiritual life is what determines your experience. As within, so without, not the other way around. And we have that very confused. So to wrap up, Paul, at the, <clears throat> at the end of chapter 4, says, I've learned to be content no matter what my circumstances. I know what it's like to have plenty, and I know what it's like to be in need. I've learned the secret of being content no matter what my situation, whether hungry or well-fed, whether in want or plenty. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is our charge. It's the holiday season. It's a time for us to really think about what are, what's our upcoming year going to look like. What goals do you have? And if you don't have spiritual goals, goals to grow in peace, goals to grow in love, goals to grow in consciousness, goals to excavate that interior landscape where God lives so that you are experiencing your day-to-day -day life as one with God, 
then we will never know peace. So let us together today commit to knowing peace by being peace. Let's take these thoughts now with a little bit of music and we'll lead this beautiful meditation chant into a time of affirmative meditation. We're going to sing All Is Well to lead us into meditation. As I close my eyes and the world disappears, I can feel my breath rise and fall. There's a light inside that dispels all my fears, and I feel a gentle voice calling. All is well. comfortable doing so, I invite you to close your outer eyes so that your inner eyes may awaken. Just taking a moment now to center yourself in this now moment. Let's begin this meditation as we begin all things, and that is with simply focusing on the breath, taking a deep cleansing breath, and release. And again, a second deep cleansing breath. And release. Notice that when your breathing slows down, your body and mind immediately follow suit. Allowing your body to be in this now moment, to be here now. Allowing your body and mind to be in the same place feeling the energy around you, the energy of this community, the energy of this place. Affirming silently to yourself, all is well. Opening your inner eyes to the inner landscape, to the depth of your being where God resides. You are one with God. You are here to make manifest the peace of God among all humanity, in your workplace, in your family, in your community, and in our world. Be at peace. May all beings be at peace. I want you to call to mind now an area of your life that perhaps you've fallen away from the experience of peace, that you've perhaps moved into some sense of worry, uncertainty, doubt. And calling that area to mind, I invite you to just surround it now with the peace of God. Surround yourself with the knowing that all is well. 
coming to see the situation that you've been struggling with and worried about as right and whole and perfect in its current form. Even if you don't like it, even if you don't agree with it, even if it's not pleasant, it is right and perfect the way that it is now in its current form. I accept. I surrender. I release. Breathing in to the perfection that life is. Breathing out acceptance and surrender. Silently affirm with me now, I know that all is well. Silently affirm, I am committed to being peace. I am committed to seeing peace. I am committed to bringing peace in all I do. Take these moments, take these thoughts now with you into your inner chamber for a few moments of silent meditation. We say thank you, God, for this time of connection and community, oneness and growth. Thank you that peace is always within us, even when it is not all around us. Thank you for the knowing that at any moment, in any circumstance, we can make the divine choice to be at peace. And so it is. <laughs>